Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Did John Kelly call Donald Trump an idiot? Well, at least he didn't call him an effing moron. Hey, what do you say, everybody? It's Tuesday, the first day of May. How about it? May 1, 2008. Great to see you today. Whoa, whoa, man. You thought yesterday was a busy news day? Wait till you hear what's going on today. It is exploding, breaking news all over the place. That's why they, they just don't say, here's the newscast today. It's all breaking news because that's kind of the way it is. Good to see you today, and thanks so much for joining us. We've got lots and lots uh, to talk about as we reach out to you nationwide from our studio here on Capitol Hill. Great lineup of guests today. And, of course, you are the most in- important guest of all Yes, we'll talk about that report that John Kelly has called the president, or more than one, pardon me, on more than one occasion, an idiot. The president getting a little bit of bad news yesterday. Another lawsuit filed against him by Stormy Daniels. This one for defamation. Uh, Michael Avenatti talking to reporters yesterday about that. The prime minister of Israel says that Iran once had a nuclear weapons program. Yeah, what's new about that? All he's trying to do is undercut the Iran deal and convince President Trump to do the wrong thing and pull out of it. And the questions that Robert Mueller intends to ask Donald Trump if they ever get their interview have been leaked to the New York Times. We've got them. We'll read them to you. Yes, indeed. So much going on. Don't forget, we want to hear from you, your questions, your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Also on the breaking news front, you know, today was the day that tariffs were supposed to take effect. At 12.01 a.m. this morning, imports from Canada 
Mexico, Argentina, Australia, Brazil, the EU. We were yeah. supposed yeah. to have this 25% tariff on imported steel and 10% on imported aluminum. Well, yesterday at the last minute, the Trump administration decided they were going to hold off on imposing most of the tariffs on imported steel and aluminum until at least June 1st. So remember, we had, I mean, this was... <laughs> this is another Donald Trump This was like a car whole wreck. two days that we had this thing where, you know, we were entering a trade war. Donald Trump called it a trade war and admitted yeah. we were getting into a trade war. And then turns out they're going and to And then he took a couple away. of countries off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Takes Canada off and whatever, and now he takes everybody, and now delays him again. Yeah. It, 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 almost like they don't know what they're doing. Almost. Almost. Uh, by the way, do you want to learn a new language? Um, I wouldn't mind, well, improving my Spanish. Okay. I, well, I don't he, want a new one. Here's the thing. A new medical study, uh, a report has come out in the yeah. journal Cognition saying... That if you or I or uh, well, we wanted to learn a new language, that window might have closed if we wanted to learn how to speak a language fluently. People remain highly skilled learners until the age of 17 or 18. So if you want to have a native, you can still learn. I want, I want to be clear. It's not shutting down learning. But if you want to have a native-like knowledge of another language, you really should start learning it before the age of 10. Wow. So if you want to learn a new language and speak it fluently and you're after you're you're older than 18, you're, you're going to have a really, really tough time. But look, I have this is a big deal for me. I, I think we are so ass backwards in this country that we, you know, we don't even teach languages anymore no. in high school, which is outrageous. No, no. And I really think that every American child ought to be fluent in English, Spanish and Mandarin. Exactly. See, there you go. Just there. like, just just like, like a former just great Just like president. George W. Bush. Yeah. Right. No, I think you're right, man. I don't think they nearly, they, they don't teach nearly enough of it in school. Yeah. And if not Spanish, French, it's just that there's more opportunity. You know, I speak French, but there's more opportunity to use Spanish here. Yeah, totally. Uh, right. And by the way, I learned French um, for the most part after I was 17. So I think that... I'm, This is the Bill Press Show. Oh, man. The questions. The questions that Robert Mueller intended to ask Donald Trump have been leaked to the New York Times. You know, this is like back to college days. You have to study for the exam because we got the exam ahead of time. Oh, whoa. Somebody at the White House cheating? What do you say, everybody? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the program, the Bill Press Show, that is, on this Tuesday, Tuesday, May 1. So good to see you today, and thank you. Thank you for joining us. We're here in Washington, D.C. That's, uh, I mean, physically, but we actually are right there alongside of you, wherever you are in this great land of ours or around the planet Joining you coast to coast on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. There with you on television on Free Speech TV and joining you, of course, on the radio throughout the state of Indiana, Indiana Talks, and also on the great WCPT in the greater Chicago area. Great to see you today. Boy, there is so much going on. And um, we've got uh, a great lineup of guests today. Rebecca and Trago from Think Progress will start us off. 
and then one of the authors of that great book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, we told you about that book before, uh, that really lays out um, some serious questions about the mental capacity of the 45th president, uh, Michael Tanzi. Dr. Michael Tanzi will be here. He's in Washington. He'll, he's going to stop by. Uh, and then Aswin Subsang also joining us from uh, the Daily Beast. And don't forget your comments. You, you those are our in-studio guests. Wherever you are, you're the most important guest we've got. Send us your comments on Twitter, at uh, BP Show. Yeah, what a day. Uh, eight people saying that John Kelly has called the president an idiot. Stormy Daniels suing the president for defamation. Bibi Netanyahu over in Israel trying to scuttle the Iran nuclear deal uh, with some BS announcement that he made yesterday. Uh, Michael Cohen, the president's attorney, now under attack by the president's friends at the National Enquirer. And yes, the number one story, the questions that Robert Mueller intended to ask um, Donald Trump if he ever gets that interview with the president of the United States. It is stunning and shocking that these questions have gotten to the New York Times. And here's how it happened. They say right on the front page, the questions that Mr. Mueller planned to ask were read by the special counsel investigators to the president's lawyers. So the president's lawyers are saying, okay, you want this meeting with the president? We want to know what you plan to ask him before we can say he'll sit down with you or not. So Mueller's attorneys read him a list of questions. The president's attorneys made a list of the questions, and that document was leaked to the New York Times. It says, by a person outside Mr. Trump's legal team. Okay, ask yourself where that come from, came from. Did that come from Mueller's people? No. Hell no. They wouldn't want these questions out there. Well, as you said the, multiple times, if there's anybody in Washington, keep a DC secret, that can keep a secret, it's, it's Robert, Robert Mueller and his team. Right. This is the Trump White House. It, so not a member of the president's legal team. In other words, that could be John Kelly. That could be anybody at okay. the White House who is not... One of the lawyers, we anybody were, at the White House. We were just trying to figure out who it might be in the White House. Yeah, I know. Who it, who it could be. Uh, who knows, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, but it could be, uh, it, it could have been Hope Hicks, right? Uh, it, it could have been Rob Porter before they left. It could be John Kelly today or John Kelly's assistant. Sure. It's anybody who wanted to undercut, undermine Robert Mueller, because Mueller did not want these questions out. And by the way, to show you, how BS they are. Uh, so here's Donald Trump this morning tweeting saying, so disgraceful that the questions concerning the Russian witch hunt were leaked to the media. No questions on collusion. Oh, I see. You've made it. So, so now he's saying, oh, what a disgrace that these were leaked. Where were they leaked from? They were leaked from the freaking White House, right? Uh, and the questions are a whole range of questions, right? Uh, they they cover um, his combative Twitter posts. They cover his the president's relationship with his family and his close friends. 
They deal chiefly with the president's high-profile firings of the FBI director and his first national security advisor, uh, Michael Flynn, deal with his treatment of attorney Jeff Sessions, and that 2016 Trump Tower meeting between Donnie Jr. and... um, and the lawyer, Russian lawyer, who said she had dirt on Hillary Clinton, and of course Paul Manafort was there, as well as Jared Kushner. Uh, and then they also touch on these questions. The president's, <laughs> pardon me, this is what I think is very interesting. The president's business deals, whether he had any discussions with Michael Cohen about a Moscow real estate deal, whether the president knew of any attempt by Jared Kushner to set up a back channel to Russia, any contacts he had with Roger Stone, and what happened, I love this one, what happened during Mr. Trump's 2013 trip to Moscow for the Miss Universe pageant. Uh, and what the, so, what the New York Times did, uh, I'm going for those of you who are watching, just to hold this up, right, a big, huge, two-page two spread. That's, I mean, just that, the visual of that is amazing. Yeah. And they break it down. So there's a whole, first of all, there's a whole set of questions about this a wonderful job by New York Times. Because they give the questions and then they have a little paragraph explaining why this question is important and how it fits. The whole first set of questions are about Michael Flynn. For example, um, how was the decision made to fire Mr. Flynn, on February 13, 2017. After the resignation, what efforts were made to reach out to Mr. Flynn about seeking immunity or a pardon? Mm-hmm. The next set of questions are all about James Comey. Aha, yes. Um, what was the purpose of your January 27, 2017 dinner with Mr. Comey? And what was said regarding the decision to fire Mr. Comey? When was it made? Why? 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 Who played a role? Mm-hmm. Uh, even going on to this, like, what was the purpose of your May 12, 2017 tweet? I mean, these questions really probe. They're right into there. There's a whole set of questions then on Jeff Sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think and do regarding the recusal of Mr. Sessions? What did you think and what did you do in reaction to the news of the appointment of the special counsel? And, and the New York Times documents here things that Mr. Trump had said, right, that these questions are trying to clarify. Too, too much of this to read it off, read it off for you. And then they get into, um, I think, and this could be maybe the most troubling of all, campaign coordination with Russia. How about this question? When did you become aware of the Trump Tower meeting? Now, here's what's interesting. Think about this. They've already interviewed other people who were in that meeting. So if Trump says, I didn't know about it beforehand, and they've already talked to a couple of people who said, yeah, everybody knew about this meeting. We told Trump about it. We told him we were going to have this. You know, there, there are all kinds of traps in here for these questions. Uh, and they talk about 
what, um, for example, uh, there's one here about, I'm just checking for it, about basically what happened during your, here, here it is. During your 2013 trip to Russia, this is the Miss Universe pageant. What communication and relations did you ha- relationships did you have with Russian government officials during the Miss Universe contest? It goes it goes on and on. Um, what did you know about communications between Roger Stone and WikiLeaks? So these questions are really profound, very probing. Uh, and but you know exactly what they are. They're an attempt to undercut Robert Mueller, pull the legs out from under him, release the questions, and um, undermine the investigation. John Dean last night, uh, Mr. Watergate tapes man, uh, was on on Anderson with Anderson Cooper on CNN on 360 by phone saying he thinks that this actually amounts to obstruction, could amount to uh, releasing these questions, obstruction of justice. The very fact that the questions that are out there is my first reaction, uh, suggesting that it could be an act of obstruction just to have released these questions. How so? How would that be obstruction? Well, uh, to try to somehow uh, disrupt the uh, the flow of information, uh, the uh, tipping off a witness in advance to what the question was going to be. Sure. You can't, I mean, can't do that, right? So um, we have never seen, for all of Donald Trump's complaints about leakers and liars, we have never seen a White House that leaks like this one. And this is the biggest leak of all. Totally. And John Dean went on to say, like, this didn't come from it, it he saw the questions yeah as we have all seen them now in the new york times and he was saying these these don't look like official questions from robert Mueller. it looks like somebody took notes right of somebody else telling them what the questions looked like which would go back into what we were saying about how this came from not somebody in the no. uh Did- attorney camp but someone who overheard the questions on a yeah. conference call or whatever. Right, right. This did not come from Robert Mueller. It came from the White House, maybe not the president's legal team. Right. I was but... going to say, it did come from Robert Mueller, and it doesn't appear to have come from the legal team for Donald Trump. Right, right. Uh, but they got them. Or or I wouldn't put it past the legal team, Donald Trump's legal team, to say, we got to get this out here. That's the way to undercut Robert Mueller. If, we, if, we, if only these questions got out there somehow— Boy, we could really pull the legs out from under him. And so they would just, you know, slip it to somebody in the White House and say, don't say where you got this. I'm telling you, that's the way it works. Um, big news uh, and troubling, troubling news uh, today. And uh, we'll see we'll see that where that goes from here. Um, another little troubling bit of news for the president of the White House yesterday. And boy, they, they worked fast to cover this up. Uh, and that is. NBC News reporting that eight different White House staffers have said things have gotten so bad now between Chief of Staff John Kelly. There have been rumors for a long time that John Kelly was on the rocks. I mean, I mean, a long time. Uh, it was only a matter of, like everybody said, a matter of time before he either walked out. He was getting frustrated with Trump. Trump was getting frustrated with him. John Kelly tries to bring some order to the White House. All the, pre- the president thrives on disorder. Uh, and he was 
uh, chafing at the fact that Kelly was trying to restrain him and 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 get him to you know stay within certain limits. And Trump says, I don't want anything to do with that. They don't speak as often as they used to. We've been told. At any rate, yeah, on top of that, yesterday, eight staffers said that actually Kelly has gotten to the point where he frequently mocks, makes fun of, laughs at the president to others to to, to uh, staffers. Uh, and eight of them again said that on at least three occasions he called the president an idiot, uh, which does <clears throat> remind us all of Rex Tillerson, who uh, did not deny that after one meeting in the Pentagon, he referred to the president as an effing moron. Uh, so <clears throat> the closer you are to Donald Trump, I guess, uh, the more you understand exactly what he is uh, and who he is. Yeah, they know who he is. <laughs> they know exactly who he is. Right. Uh, the White House, uh, they put out a statement. Uh, Kelly put out a statement yesterday saying this was total BS, that he and the president are very close and he has he totally supports the president's agenda. Uh, the president put out a tweet saying that uh, he has more confidence in John Kelly than ever before. Uh, my prediction is he'll be out by the end of the month. I mean, this is we've seen this pattern before, right? Yeah. 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 But I'm surprised he's lasted this long. I mean, frankly. last week he had total confidence in Ronnie Kelly. Uh, he Ronnie also, Jackson, yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie Jackson, Jackson, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And he had total confidence in um, Michael Cohen. And we'll see how that went a little bit later here. But uh, so I think um, <laughs> I, I think this is uh, the beginning of the end for uh, <clears throat> Chief of Staff John Kelly. The question is, who the hell would take that job? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, why would you want that? I mean, you know that Trump is just looking for a reason to get rid of you as soon as you as soon as you take the job because. Yeah. He doesn't want a chief of staff. Right. A chief of staff is somebody that has to go to the president and say, Mr. President, you should do X, Y, or Z. A chief and of Donald Trump wasn't, no, doesn't no. want that. Right. No. A chief of staff is the one who's supposed to manage the White House, including the president, his time. He doesn't want that. His priorities, he whom he meets that. with, and all that. Trump doesn't want anything to do with that. There's some also some troubling things came out of this NBC stories about story about John Kelly, by the way, and I've never been a big John Kelly fan at all. Uh, but he is a real hard ass on immigration and brags about being a hard ass on immigration uh, and bragged about the fact that he personally killed the DACA deal. Uh, and he has said that if it weren't for him, we would have the dreamers would have been protected. He personally has bragged about the fact that he personally killed the DACA deal and convinced Donald Trump not to make a deal with Democrats on DACA. Uh, and Trump, uh, Kelly, is also quoted by these same people as saying on a couple of occasions um, that um, there are problems with uh, women making decisions uh, in, 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 on policy because they're more emotional than men are. Uh, and so, you know, kind of have to. Can't great, really trust them. Great, yeah. normal, totally mm. normal guy. Yeah. But you know, remember. Great, great leadership on the part of. Uh, and he also has said that basically he believes it's his mission with this wild man in, as president. This is Kelly telling people that he believes it's his mission to save the country. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. A wow. little Napoleonic. A little uh, bit, uh, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> huh, man. You remember when John Kelly was the head of the Department of Homeland Security, which didn't last very long before he moved up to, to chief of staff? There was a, I mean, I know we've moved very quickly. We've moved past a lot of this stuff. But 
there was a clip where I, I think he was on CNN, but he, he uh, to your point about how he was bragging about what he's done to hurt dreamers, he said some of these children are going to be separated from their parents, and that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. I don't care. We're going to deport their parents, mm-hmm. and these kids will be here on their own, and I don't really care what happens to them. And just ca- callous. Yeah. Yeah, callous, and and it wasn't long after that that he became chief of staff. So clearly, he's speaking Trump's language. Uh, not a nice man, not a good man. Uh, at any rate, uh, on the on the legal front, um, further bad news um, for President Trump yesterday. Uh, another another legal front he's going to have to fight on. Um, Stormy Daniels, who is still trying to get out from under that one hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollar do not disclose uh, agreement. One, uh, her lawyer, on behalf of Stormy Daniels, filed a lawsuit a defam- a- a- accusing the president yesterday of defamation, uh, defaming Stormy Daniels, Michael Avenatti says, when the president said she was lying about the, remember the man she said who, ac- who accosted her, approached her in a parking lot in Las Vegas when she was arriving for um, a workout class. She had her, little, her daughter in the back seat of the car. And this man walked up and said, it'd be too bad if something happened to your daughter. So lay off, Mr. Trump. Just drop that story. Uh, she then worked with a professional sketch artist, one who does courtroom sketches, came up with what she says is a sketch resembling this man. Uh, that was published, and the president tweeted out uh, that this was a total con job, meaning that Stormy Daniels was lying. Uh, because of that, she has now... Yesterday, filed this lawsuit against the president. Here's her attorney again, Michael Avenatti. He fabricated his tweet, basically. He made it up. He accused my client of fabricating this story about the man that approached her at the car, fabricating the sketch, called it non existent. And you can't do that. I don't care who you are. You can't just fabricate something to make somebody look bad. I don't care even if you are the president of the United States. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> Part of Michael, Michael Avenatti going on again, saying, um, fabricate, fabrication, you can't, basically saying what he just said, you can't do that. He's not allowed to fabricate things in an effort to fit his agenda, and that's exactly what he did. What's significant, I think, about this defamation lawsuit, as long as a, if a judge allows it to go forward, this is another occasion where uh, the president might have to sit down and be deposed, and another case where his attorneys are going to have to fight not to have him answer questions. So, it's closing in. You've got the case up in New York Superior Court, let's not forget, where they have requested to depose the president about that sexual harassment case that's still uh, underway. Uh, then you've got now the Stormy Daniels case. You've got the Robert Mueller case. And then you've got the Michael Cohen case, yet another front yesterday. Uh, a very interesting twist. Now, remember... President President Trump's personal attorney, FBI raids his offices and his home and his hotel room. President Trump said, this is terrible. This is an abuse of justice. The FBI uh, out of control. Uh, and right now the judge is trying to decide whether the FBI has total access to the documents they seized or that she's going to appoint somebody else to decide which ones they can see and which ones they can't. And in the middle of this, the president yesterday or last week tweeted out about what a great guy Michael Cohen is. It's so unfair what's happening to him. He's one of my best friends. 
boom, 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 boom. Total confidence in Michael Cohen. That was last week. Yesterday, the National Enquirer, okay, let Donald Trump's buddies, the National Enquirer, what's the guy's name, Peter? Dick I was is just his trying last to think name, about right? it. Yeah, I don't remember the guy's name. Something Dick. But he, he's, yeah, well. Right. Uh, he, is, but... <laughs> he, he is, and he's called. But that, yeah, he's Donald Trump, one of Donald Trump's best friends, long time. He is the guy who paid Karen McDougal. $150,000 not to publish her story. Her story, which is almost parallel to Stormy Daniels. She started an affair with Donald Trump in 2000, former Playboy model, started an affair with Donald Trump in 2006 that went on through 2007. Uh, she tells her story to the National Enquirer. They interview her. They write up the whole story. And then they say, okay, now that we know this about my friend Donnie, we're not going to pub- we'll pay you $150,000 not to publish your story. Uh, Karen McDougal has since gotten out of that just a couple of weeks ago. We haven't heard from her since, but at any rate, she's free to tell her story to him, whomever she wants. In the meantime, the National Enquirer, again, you could basically call it Donald Trump's paper. They came out yesterday with an attack piece, a hit piece on Michael Cohen on the cover of the National Enquirer. They've got a picture of Michael Cohen and the big headline Trump's personal attorney, secrets and lies. Um, Now, the question is, why would the Trump operation go from praising Michael Cohen last week to trying to tear him down this week? You know why? (laughs) Because they think he's going to flip. They think that when he gets the FBI goes through this stuff, finds incriminating documents about his business dealings on behalf of the president, maybe colluding with the president to pay Stormy Daniels off to influence the outcome of the election, not making that report to the FEC. Who knows? But that he finds that he he might face some prison time. They're afraid that Michael Cohen um, will say, not worth it to me, man. I want my freedom. I might serve a year, but I'm not going to go 15 or 30 for this guy. Yeah, uh, so they're trying to d- tr- draw him. Add Michael Cohen to the list of people, starting with Reince Priebus, maybe even before that, who have gotten close to Donald Trump, and in the last year and a half have been torn, shredded, burned, reputation, career destroyed. But you know the thing is, one more. I I, I don't toxic think th- Trump. <laughs> I don't think that. Hey, there you go. Yeah, there's a seriously. Book, there's a book idea. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody, I and mean, we've seen this happen over and over again, right? But I don't think anybody ha- ha- like is closer to Donald Trump than Michael Cohen, right? Like, I don't oh, think, no. I don't, no. I mean, they have a long history together. And for Trump to all of a sudden start bashing, it really does show just who Donald Trump is. He, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how close you are to him. It doesn't matter what you've done for him in the past. It doesn't matter that you've gone out and like carried his message and and covered up and and put yourself at great risk for him. He doesn't care. He'll throw you under the bus. He doesn't care. It really doesn't matter. Mm. No. Uh, and and that's why I think anybody who uh, back to John Kelly for a second who might contemplate 
Yeah. Becoming his chief. Like for a while they were talking about maybe <laughs> Kevin McCarthy leaving the Congress. Right. No, he wants to be the next speaker. Yeah. But even if he weren't running for speaker, to give up a job in Congress and go to the White House and know that you're not going to last more than a year. Kelly has not been there a year yet. No, he hasn't. I mean, July is uh, is yeah. his year, one year, right? Yeah. So the idea, too, that in in two years, uh, the president has had two chiefs of staff. Usually in eight years, a president will have two yeah. chiefs of staff. Right. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> just one, but usually two. Right. Because it, it is a hell of a job. Burns you out. But at any rate, not this fast. Um, so much going on. And then there is Bibi Netanyahu. I'll tell you what. Well, I want to talk about BB and his big uh, his big claims yesterday. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, pick that up. Uh, and again, love to hear your comments on all of the above. A big, big, big news day here on the Bill Press Show. Send us your comments on Twitter at BB Show. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, you got it. On Tuesday, May 1, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show on a very, very busy news day. We come to you live from Washington, D.C., joining you all across this great land of ours. And we're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, the Honorable Leo Girard, a great labor leader for this country, and the USW, a great uh, labor union, North America's largest industrial union, actually, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members, Check out their website at usw.org. On the foreign policy front, the Prime Minister of Israel yesterday shaking things up. Now, remember, we're in the context of uh, every every few months uh, under this Iran nuclear deal, uh, the President of the United States has to say, we're still in, or we're going to get out and we're going to put some more sanctions back on Iran. Uh, the president, President Trump, has let two of those occasions, even though he's campaigned for president against this deal, he's done nothing but trash it since he's been president, but he's let at least two occasions where he could have pulled out, like he did out of the Paris Peace Accord, or Paris uh, Climate Change Accords, he could have pulled out but didn't. Now, the next, the next deadline is May 12, and every indication is uh, that the president this time is going to pull the plug. A president of France last week came to try to convince him, don't do that. Stay in, and we'll work with you to make it a better deal and add some other protections which you would like to see. The, the uh, chancellor of Germany came on Friday to try to make the same case to Donald Trump. Both Emmanuel Macron and Angela Merkel basically admitted before they left that they uh, fought the good fight but didn't really succeed with Donald Trump. They expect him to withdraw well, just in case there was any doubt as to what the president might do, Bibi Netanyahu decided that he was going to step in with a meat axe yesterday. He held holds a big uh, news conference in Jerusalem where he shows all these documents that Israeli intelligence forces seized, actually the physical binders that they seized from a raid on some warehouse uh, in Iran back in January. Uh, and here's what Bibi Netanyahu says, that these documents prove. Tonight I'm here to tell you one thing. Iran lied. Big time. 
Okay, he By the said. Way, he's clearly uh, learned some things from Trump. Oh yeah, in that big time, big time, <laughs> big time. I, I'm surprised he didn't say, "Believe me." Yeah, believe me. Oh yeah, believe me. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Netanyahu continues. These files conclusively prove that Iran is brazenly lying. When it says it never had a nuclear weapons program. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I, I, I want to listen to that again, okay? Uh, pay very careful attention, if you will, to the tense that Bibi Netanyahu uses. These files conclusively prove that Iran is brazenly lying when it says it never had a nuclear weapon. Had. Had a nuclear weapon. You know, he's probably right about that. But so what? The point is, under the terms of this deal, is it true that Iran did get rid of its centrifuges, as our good friend Joe Sirincioni, who knows more about this than anybody else on the planet, uh, has told us several times? Absolutely true. Are they complying with the nuclear Iran nuclear deal in terms of now, today, not pursuing a nuclear weapons program, according to every international inspector, according to the IAEA, absolutely yes, they are in compliance. There is zero evidence that Iran is not complying with it. What were they doing before? We all knew that. Damn right. They said we're, we're pursuing a nuclear and developing nuclear power only in order to keep the lights on in Iran. Everybody knew that they like North Korea. They had machinery that was capable of um, converting that nuclear um, nuclear elements into weapons of war. Uh, there's no doubt they were pursuing that at one time. So in a sense, I, I believe, if this is total BS on Bibi Netanyahu's part. He's talking about past history. He's not talking about today. The IAEA has said actually, that there's zero evidence that Iran has been moving toward nuclear weaponry since 2009. And in fact, the White House, in response to what Bibi put out yesterday, said, this proves that Iran has a nuclear weapons program. They corrected the statement and put out a new statement that said, this proves that Iran had a nuclear weapons program. So, all of this, front page of the New York Times, it was all over the cable news last night, as if this were some big deal. It, it's no big deal. It is Bibi Netanyahu trying to convince his buddy Donald Trump to scuttle the Iran nuclear deal, which Netanyahu didn't want Barack Obama to do in the first place. Of all the countries uh, that we, uh, that our friends and our allies, everybody else was on board with this. China, Russia, Germany. France, the U.K., everybody else except Bibi Netanyahu. And um, uh, so and Netanyahu also, I thought, let the cat out of the bag yesterday when he says, I can count on my buddy Trump. He's going to do the right thing. I'm sure he'll do the right thing. Mm -hmm. The right thing for the United States, the right thing for Israel, and the right thing for the peace of the world. So, you know what? This is a total con job on the part of Bibi Netanyahu. Don't believe a word of it.
Oh, so much going on. We're going to get into some other stuff. Uh, so, uh, Peter, uh, we've been at it for a little bit. What? Yes, indeed. We got some comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. A couple of comments on the Robert Mueller questions uh, that were leaked to the New York Times. Uh, KG says, all Robert Mueller has to do is just change the questions. Yeah, I guess that's that's one way to look at it. You could always, he could always just <laughs> see what the New York Times printed. Well, you know, I was thinking about that, too. He could come up like... Any good teacher could, right? Yeah. You could come up with a different set of questions. Totally. Right? Totally. Uh, uh, and um, and maybe he put these out there just to fake him out. Well, that's, that's actually what someone else said. Oh. Job says, could Mueller have leaked the false question similar to the announcement that Trump isn't the subject of the investigation, right? Like, Robert Mueller had leaked this story that or, or had told Donald Trump, you know, you're not the subject of the investigation when it turns out he... he Probably mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And Phil asks uh, or, or says, I don't see how leaking the Mueller questions actually help Trump. Mueller likely knows all the answers before he even asks them. And there's no way that Trump can prepare for any follow up questions. The public now knows how much trouble Trump is in. If you have any comments, send them to us on Twitter at BP Show. I think all you have to do is watch again Donald Trump's half hour interview with Fox and Friends last week. <laughs> to know how dangerous it would be for Donald Trump to be sitting under oath in front of any attorney on any subject <laughs> at all for two hours, let alone uh, for half an hour, let alone two hours. Um, yes. So thanks for your comments. Keep those comments coming on Twitter uh, at BP show. Welcome to studio from think Pro- the great think progress. Rebecca and Hello, Rebecca. Nice uh, to see you. Hi, nice to see you as well. Thanks for coming in. Of course. Um, I want to jump to uh, something you've been writing about. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Jackson. Yeah. So <laughs> as if he wasn't in enough trouble, mm-hmm. uh, there's a little more bad news for uh, Ronnie Jackson today. Yeah. Um, uh, Regarding the vice president. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, so I, as far as I'm concerned, I believe he it's the same. He like misled the vice president as well. Yeah. The, uh, the vice president's. Uh, doctor yeah. claims yeah. that when um, the Ronnie Jackson treated mm-hmm. the second lady, mm-hmm. Karen Pence, um, last fall, mm-hmm. that he, they believe, um, violated her privacy by mm-hmm. talking to White House staffers about whatever he was treating her for, mm-hmm. uh, and then got in a real confrontation with the vice president's doctor mm-hmm. he confronted Ronnie Jackson about this and 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 they had and the vice president warned the white house you got some problems with yeah. this guy Ronnie Jackson yeah, this would, this so would... they were warned last fall uh about Jackson's um they called it not medical malpractice but med- what's the phrase that they used um anyhow med- medical i wrote it down here this one medical misconduct ah. yeah yeah, see that would that would kind of fall in line with what we what we currently know about Ronnie Jackson, and that's that you know he had some you know a little bit of a scuttle with another physician as well. Yeah. Um, and you know there's really strange power dynamics, and cre- he you know he created a, a toxic work environment uh, in the department, and so you know this this you know <laughs> they, they, this is just more evidence that he wasn't fully vetted at all um, by the president before he was appointed to the to the VA. And uh, what happens to him now? I mean, he withdrew his nomination, so I, I don't know, but uh, and he's out well, of the White House. Yeah, so I, I, I really, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, they're going to have to find a new White House physician. I think yep. the, his second in command is uh, is acting mm. is acting now. But the idea that I mean, this really flies in the face of all the White House statements over the last few days, saying mm. we never heard anything about yeah. Ronald Jackson. He has this stellar reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody ever complained about him. Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. now they're saying no. Mike Pence, the yeah. vice president, mm-hmm. raised this issue yeah. himself last fall. Mm-hmm. So and it, and it wasn't just like uh, a lot. There's a lot of attacks from the right on John Tester, you know, saying that you know it was a you know the, it was the Democrats are, are trying to you know prevent you know this great fine man from being VA secretary. But you know the top Republican on the VA uh, committee was also you know, so that he had received complaints from um, former military people who said that, you know, he had a temper, that, you know, he may have had, he may have, have a drinking problem. So, you know, it's not just, you know, don't come for Don Tester or the Democrats. It's, it's you know, from the vice president and from uh, Mike Rounds, I believe, um, on the VA uh, uh, committee have said this happens as well. Right. Um, on, a, on a totally uh, a, a different front, um, Tom Brokaw is yeah. the uh, latest yeah. um, uh, media celebrity, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to face accusations of sexual misconduct. Yes. Um, and not medical misconduct, but sexual misconduct. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in response, he wrote this long email, mm-hmm. basically a letter uh, yeah. to former colleagues, yep. which started out this way. It is 4 a.m. on the first day of my new life as an accused predator in the universe of American journalism. Uh, where did it go from there? Uh, well, it only went uh, it only went worse from there. Uh, like I wrote, you know, if you have to start off a letter by saying it's 4 a.m., like that's too late to write anything, <laughs> anything that big. You should close your laptop, get some sleep. Yeah, you know, and then a, wake up in the morning and write a letter. But uh, I think whole, that's a good rule. I, I right? think that that's that's uh, that's a, you know a rule you kind of learn in college when you're staying up late writing a paper. You're like maybe I should go to sleep and then write in the morning. Um, but yeah, so the whole letter he just kind of blames her and says, you know, why didn't she come forward? Uh, well, there were two women, right? One in yes, particular. Yeah, right? yeah, one who came forward, and there's uh, another woman. But uh, the the one who came forward uh, in particular, you know, he basically takes credit for her career, basically saying, you know. Uh, without her, she wouldn't have gone to Fox and uh, had the you know the career that she had. But then he goes on and like discredits her career and says, you know, she 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 wasn't that great at her job. She auditioned for the Today Show. I heard it went terribly. Uh, you know, it's just like this rambling letter where he just goes after her very uh, in in very explicit terms and and uh, it's it's damning to say the least. And and now you know we have. Um, uh, Rachel Maddow and Joy Reid and a lot of other... I was going to say, in response, though, Mm -hmm. um, there were some 60-plus women who have worked with him. Mm -hmm. I I don't think Rachel came to MSNBC after Brokaw had already left, but Mm -hmm. knows him. Andrea Mitchell certainly had worked with him. And and, and a total of 60, most of whom had worked with him, who said um, that their dealings with him were always above board and Mm -hmm. nothing nothing untoward at all. Um, So where does this leave us with Brokaw? Is this another... Uh, case of, you know, maybe was interested in pursuing something, but it didn't work, and it was yeah. just sort of a 
failed yeah, re- relationship? I, yeah, I, I, it could be that. To me, it just it's very reminiscent of just like very old like Mad Men style. You know, where Tom Brokaw was a man who had a lot of power, and you know, she was like 27 years old. She was a foreign correspondent uh, and attractive. Yeah, and uh, he, you know, she took a meeting with him. Um, you know, and to just sort of talk about her career and maybe he, you know, made a sort of, you know, uh, according to her, he made a sort of a series a of a pass at her. And, um, you know, it, Tom Brokaw is, he's a contributor now. He's not really, really on at uh, NBC anymore. So I, I don't I don't really know what's going to happen to him in a professional capacity. Um, but certainly, you know, it does, this is damaging towards his career. Well, it, what does it do about the Me Too movement? I mean, um, because there are... Um, a lot of women mm-hmm. uh, who believe, for example, that Kirsten Gillibrand went too far, mm-hmm. her particular, but mm-hmm. others, she wasn't the only one, right. with uh, forcing Al Franken out yeah. of the Senate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you do hear some voices saying um, we have to be able to d- 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 distinguish right. what's really, really wrong, right. what we've heard mm-hmm. about Matt Lauer, what right. we heard about um, uh, Mark Halperin mm-hmm. and Bill O'Reilly. Right. It's really totally mm-hmm. disgusting and way over the line. Right. Uh, you have to be able to distinguish between or Roy Moore. Right. 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 That kind of behavior mm-hmm. and. Right. Yeah, and, and and I think we're seeing uh, that Tom Brokaw yeah. or now Franken. Yeah, and and I think we're seeing that now. You know, there isn't as big of a movement towards getting Tom Brokaw off the air as there was. You know. You know you know, to get Al Franken or Matt Lauer. Um, so I think we're, we're seeing that now. But, I, you know, certainly, you know, it is important to believe the women first. And, and uh, you know, some are, are worse than others. But, you know, in any workplace, it shouldn't really be tolerated. What? Um, so, by the way, speaking of Roy Moore, didn't intend to get into this, but since I uh, <laughs> mentioned him, um, uh, we thought we'd heard the last of Roy Moore. Uh, no. uh, sadly, we have not heard <laughs> the last of Roy Moore. So yesterday, he filed a lawsuit mm-hmm. against how many young women were there now i forget I it, was, it was there were like several. a dozen i mean in the teens, yeah. i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. in so, the teens might be a bad analogy oh god yes sorry i couldn't let that one slip that, by uh, no, that's a, that was a good catch <laughs> so uh he filed a lawsuit of uh, accusing them of defaming him of defamation yep. lawsuit uh, here is the judge. What we've documented in this complaint will show the people of Alabama that these people knew what they were doing. They set it out. They described what they were going to do. They did it, and they bragged about doing it after. Yeah, well, <laughs> he set out, I would say, he set out to do what he wanted to do, too, and he did it, and he bragged about it afterwards. Yeah. Except in that case, he was preying on Teenage girls. Yep. Right. I was going through the audio this morning and got to the Roy Moore show. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, how is Roy Moore still a story? Like, <laughs> and, 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 like, Roy Moore should have stopped being a story eight years ago, right? Whenever the whole uh, Ten Commandments thing. But, like, here we are still <laughs> he, with he, Roy Moore. He'd be so much better off to just shut just up. Just go away. Just go away. Uh, Ride sassy off into the sunset. Get out of here. (laughs) And he said, you can believe me because I took a lie detector test. Yeah, because those are are very uh, (laughs) reliable. Here he is. I'm prepared to go through depositions. I've taken a lie detector test. You heard anybody else taking a lie detector test? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Never in the history. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Of the world. (laughs) You know, uh, yeah, just go away. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, and, and another your, your assignment there at the Think Progress, you are uh, kind of general assignment all over yeah, the place. Yeah, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, a lot of questions about. Well, it came up this week. Who benefits? And who are the winners and the losers in the GOP tax cut bill? Because, right. uh, according to some people, that's why Paul Ryan fired mm-hmm. the chaplain. Mm-hmm. He insists that's not why he fired him, but uh, apparently it all started when the when the when Father Conroy, Patrick Conroy, uh, gave a prayer last November, saying that there should be uh, the tax care should be fair to mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. But there are, as you've reported, some big yeah. winners out of the tax mm-hmm. bill. Yeah. So, so last week there was a big report from American Tax uh, Americans for Tax Fairness that basically analyzed how the ten biggest pharmaceutical companies are going to be saving billions and billions of dollars. Um, you know, I think Pfizer said they're expected to pay a tax rate of seventeen percent this year. So it's that's much lower than what most working families pay. Um, and you know, we're seeing this also not just from pharmaceutical com- companies, but uh, from big banks. You know, Wells Fargo. Um, you know, Chase, like they are expected to pay very little in taxes and are expected to save a lot. And none of that money is going to go towards the workers. I mean, there are some, you know, there was the whole thing about the bonuses that happened right after the tax bill was passed. But, you know, bonuses are a one-time payment. They don't really, they're, you know, $1,000. That's that's good for in the moment, but it's not, you know, going to help your workers over time. Um, and for the companies that did institute uh, minimum wage hikes, they you know, instituted a $15 minimum wage, you know, that was that that was expected that kind of had to happen on its own because of, you know, the tightening labor market we have. They were going to have to <laughs> uh, raise their minimum wage to be competitive. Um, so, you know, what we're seeing from the tax bill is that, you know, the corporate tax rate was permanently lowered to 21 percent while the individual tax cuts are um temporary so and they have to be renewed in a couple years so you know we're seeing that you know this was crafted with the corporations in mind sure yeah sure no i I was just going to make that same point is that they're not only um paying such a low tax rate Mm -hmm. but they're going to continue to pay a lower tax rate even lower than the than the than where where the corporate tax rate was lowered to if you will to 21 percent they're paying less than that Mm -hmm. and they're going to continue Forever, yeah. That tax rate, mm-hmm. and yeah. what little benefit that some people may have received in terms of a tax yeah. break is going to disappear within, within a couple of years. Yeah, I think in, it was February. I think it was about three percent of Americans had reported they had received any bonus or any sort of you know raise or anything related to the tax bill. These were companies that wanted good press and they wanted to be in good standing. Uh, you know, with the president, there are companies like AT and T, who's you know, with the working with the Department of Justice to you know have a merger approved. Uh, the day that Trump announced the tax bill bonuses, you know, he went out there and was like praising AT and T. You know, you know, this, these are companies who are working uh, uh, very stealthily to get you know close to the president. Boeing uh, announced uh, a couple of bonuses uh, as part of the tax. Uh, cuts. So, you know, these are companies that rely on the government for contracts or, you know, rely on the government for any sort of funding. And the pharmaceutical companies that benefit from the tax bill, they are also benefited, of course, in another way that uh, under uh, Obamacare, which mm-hmm. you can't blame on Donald Trump, but they still uh, are in a position where they do not have to negotiate with the federal government right. for lower drug prices. Right. They can still charge exorbitant amounts mm-hmm. for drugs in this country, right. which they do, right. and jack up the prices of those drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, the I think the VA can negotiate with them, but the but Medicare cannot. Yeah. 
Yeah, these are companies that are doing so, that were doing extremely well <laughs> before this tax cut was even passed. They didn't need this extra money. They were they had plenty of it. Yeah. Well, we also learned something this week about, or last week, about the way Washington works from uh, none other than Mick Mulvaney. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, the budget director yeah. said, you know, when I was in Congress, if you were a lobbyist <laughs> uh, and wrote me a big check. I, I will take a meeting with you. I will, mm-hmm. I will, you know, support your cause. Yeah, this is another another example of someone close to the you know, President Trump's administration saying the quiet part loud, saying, you know, saying what they shouldn't be saying very loudly. Uh, and yeah, he he, you know, he's sort of tearing apart the the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and, and, and is making all these, you know, horrible decisions there. And... Uh, I'm still I'm sure it's still true today. You know, you come in with a big check for oh, yeah, the for Donald sure. Trump campaign and I'll meet with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, he said that's that's his MO. That's yeah. the way he operates in this town. Yeah. That's the way too many people operate yeah. in this town. And that's what Donald Trump was supposed to change, drain the swamp, and said he's brought, brought, brought more swamp creatures in, I believe. Yeah. Hey, Rebecca, it's great to see you. Great you can always find Rebecca at thinkprogress.org. And it is the Bill Press this Show on Tuesday, May 1. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Did John Kelly call the president an idiot? Yes. <laughs> he says no. Yes, he did. Well, but at least he didn't call him an effing moron. Well, <laughs> like, like Rex Tillerson. <clears throat> Not yet. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Tuesday, May 1, here we go. The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, reaching out to you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill. We're so glad to see you today. Uh, it is another one of those overload days. Uh, too much news to squeeze into uh, two hours. We'll do the best we can. Yes, reports that John Kelly has reports by mm, several staffers. That the pres, uh, John Kelly privately has made fun of the president and called him an idiot. Stormy Daniels filing a lawsuit against the president yesterday, accusing him of defamation. B.B. Netanyahu trying to scuttle the Iran nuclear deal by coming up with some uh, information that Iran once had a nuclear weapons program. Uh, that may be true, B.B., but do they have one today? The answer to that is no. They are living up to the... Uh, uh, the terms of the accord. That's what really counts. Uh, and it looks like the president's team have now turned on Michael Cohen, his attorney, and are trying to undermine him. News on so many fronts. And then the biggest of all is that the New York Times has obtained the questions that Robert Mueller 
plans to ask Donald Trump if they ever get together. The actual list of the questions, we'll tell you all about those here right at the very top. We jump into it. Michael Tanzi join us, joins us uh, in this half hour, too. Uh, one of the authors of that great book we've talked about before called The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. So we've got lots to cover. We'll jump right into it. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. I find this story to be kind of (laughs) fascinating because scientists and experts in Great Britain have created the first complete map of the rose. The rose. They've gone and they've cracked the DNA code the rose, the rose, of the roses. A rose is right? a rose is a rose. Right. Yeah. A rose by any other name would, right. well, it's still okay. a rose. But the point is, they, they cracked the DNA code of the rose. And so why would that matter? Well, they're trying to make and engineer roses that are more fragrant, fragrant, more colorful, and roses that will last longer. So they're trying to improve... The rose. I'm not saying that I'm on board and I agree with this because I think, for the most part, roses are, you know, pretty perfect. They are what they are. I don't know why we need to improve them, but that's well, that's the plan. They could last longer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no. But it also feels like we're getting in there and. Yeah, but look, I'm just saying. I know. I'm no. I don't like all this stuff either. But they're, they're cloning sheep. They I are mean, right. You know, yeah, exactly. A couple weeks ago, I told you the story about how uh, your buddy, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, had broken her shoulder. Well, it turns out she's going to have to have surgery for it, a shoulder replacement surgery. She's going to have to deal with that uh, later this month. She says that she's going to be wearing a sling for several weeks and will go undergo physical therapy for several months, but she's going to recover full mobility and shoulder function after the surgery. But like, but man, she's still been on the sucks? job. I sent her a note the other day. She's still been on the job as uh, at the court. You know, hasn't yeah. slowed down. No, I, I don't think soldier, shoulder replacement surgery will slow her down much either. Mm. Uh, and finally, uh, we talk a lot about Facebook these days and the privacy issue. But one thing that Facebook is giving a shot is their downvote button. So if you know you go onto Facebook, you can hit a like button or a happy button or a sad button or whatever. Now they're saying you can hit a downvote button. They're testing it out in New Zealand. They tried it out here in America back in February, and it was very popular, but uh, they want to test it in some more markets, see how it's going. So uh, this is one thing that Facebook is doing that I'm on board with. And they're still in business. And they're still in business, remarkably (laughs) still in business. After, After all the bad publicity. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, Don't worry about taking the exam, friends. We got all the questions ahead of time. Oh, wow. It is Tuesday, May 1. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us, the Bill Press Show. Coming out to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill and joining you coast to coast here throughout the United States of America, of course. And all around the globe on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Looking at you on Free Speech TV and joining you on the great WCPT out in the greater Chicago area uh, with all the news of the day. And there is a lot of it. Yes, indeed. Uh, eight White House staffers have um, 
come forward to say that uh, Chief of Staff John Kelly mocking the president behind his back and actually calling him an idiot and saying that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't even know, according to John Kelly, the president did not even know what DACA was when they started talking about immigration reform. Stormy Daniels, uh, the former porn star um, who has claimed to have an affair with the president from 2006 into 2007, suing the president yesterday for defamation uh, because he called her a liar when she released the sketch of the person she says threatened her out and her daughter out in Las Vegas. Uh, meanwhile, the president's attorney, Michael Cohen, um, on the a, a real attack at, attack on him, attack a, a article on him in the National Enquirer put out by President Trump's buddy. Is this the White House trying to distance himself now from Michael Cohen? And Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu of Israel doing what he can to give Donald Trump uh, ammunition to scuttle the Iran nuclear deal with what I believe was some phony, phony claims yesterday uh, that uh, Iran still has an ongoing nuclear program when, in fact, uh, all the information that Bibi Netanyahu put forward is that Iran once was pursuing nuclear weapons. We knew that. That was before they signed the Iran nuclear deal. Zero evidence that they're violating the terms of that deal. But the big question where we want to start today, just bring you up to date, is that someone has leaked to the New York Times, and they're laid out in the big two-page spread, a front page and inside a big two-page spread in the New York Times this morning, that someone has leaked to the New York Times the questions that Robert Mueller would like to ask the president if they ever have that sit-down meeting. Uh, this leak did not come from Robert Mueller's office. I've told you many times, Robert Mueller is the only person in Washington who can keep a secret. But if you're dealing with a Trump White House, this is the leakiest, if there is such a term, White House ever in history. And what happened is the president's attorney said, okay, help us. If we want to decide, I haven't said no yet, whether we're going to have this meeting, allow the president to be deposed by the, and meet with the special counsel, Robert Mueller. So what kind of questions, what, kind, what, what questions were you thinking of asking? According to the New York Times, Mueller's special investigators met with the president's attorneys and said, here are the kind of things we want to ask. They took notes of that. They made up a list, and somebody from the White House leaked that list to the New York Times. The New York Times says it was not a member of the president's legal team, it was someone outside the president's legal team. But these questions are killer questions, and they cover a whole range of issues from what the, when the president decided to fire Michael Flynn and why, when he decided to fire James Comey and why, what he thought about Jeff Sessions recusing himself, and what about Jeff Sessions threatening to resign, which he did, uh, uh, and then they get into business dealings between Donald Trump and Michael Cohen and the Russians. They talk about these questions, get into the famous uh, Trump Tower meeting in July 2016 that Donnie Jr. put together with his attorney from Russia who allegedly had some dirt on Hillary Clinton, um, and also get into the president's, um, the Miss Universe contest 
when the president went, you know, originally he said, what was it? He didn't spend the night there or maybe he spent, I think he said he didn't spend the night there or maybe just one night or something. But it turns out he was there two or three nights in Russia and they want to know who did you meet with? What Russian officials did you meet with? What kind of business deals were you talking about while you were there? Um, there are also questions about the president's dealings with Roger Stone and what he knew about Roger Stone's connections with WikiLeaks. I mean, these are um, th- these cover the whole gamut uh, and all the things that that we have uh, that we've t- um, we've talked about over time, but they're all contained here. Um, so the the way the the uh, Times breaks them down, boy, it's worth if you can get a copy of the Times today somehow. Pick one up and just look at it. A uh, whole series of questions on Michael Flynn. Whole series of questions on James Comey. A series of sessions on Jeff Sessions, and then campaign coordination with Russia. Things like that. Uh, that meeting on June, not July, in June 9, 2016. When did you become aware of the Trump? Tower meeting because Donnie Jr. has said he didn't tell his father about the meeting. Robert Mueller wants to know when did you become aware? Um, Very, very significant development here. Uh, And I believe an effort, a total effort on the part of the Trump White House to undermine the Mueller investigation. Can't read it, I don't think, uh, any other way. Um, What does this amount to? John Dean from Watergate fame. was on by phone with Anderson Cooper yesterday on CNN last night on 360. Uh, John Dean says this could be, and if the White House looks like leaked this, they did it to undermine the Mueller investigation, this itself could amount to obstruction of justice. The very fact that the questions that are out there is my first reaction, uh, suggesting that it could be an act of obstruction just to have released these questions. How so? How would that be obstruction? Well, uh, to try to somehow uh, disrupt the uh, the flow of information, uh, the uh, tipping off a witness in advance to what the question was going to be. Yeah. So uh, you know what? First of all, I think even if you uh, brought Donald Trump in to be deposed and he knew the questions ahead of time, he'd still lie. Totally, you know. Of course, he it's would. It's still lie, right? Uh, and if you uh, if you think back about uh, his interview on Fox and Friends, uh, you would know why you wouldn't trust him uh, to give a deposition like that. Uh, at any rate, let's uh, getting into Donald Trump's head. Uh, maybe more than you and I can handle, but um, we leave it up to some of the experts. One of whom joins us in studio, uh, Dr. Michael Tanzi, is a clinical psychologist, an author, and a teacher. And one of the co-authors of this great book we've talked about before, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Incidentally, the same publisher as my new book, From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire, uh, the great Tom Dunn at uh, St. Martin's Press. Michael, it's nice to see you again. Good to see you, Bill. Thanks for coming in. You Thank were here you a month me. or so ago. We talked about um, the conclusions uh, in, in this book on the part of, uh, I forget how many... Of, of you, there are... 27? 27. 27 mm-hmm. leading psychologists in the country who say there's reason, really, to question the mental capacity of the President of the United States. Um, has anything that you have um, seen or heard in the time since we've been together changed your opinion? 
Uh, absolutely not. I think everything that uh, not just myself but many of the other authors in the book that have predicted are coming to pass. Uh, and my feeling here is I'm, I'm, I'm about to uh, present a paper at the National Press Club. and Today? Title, today, mm-hmm. this, uh, in about an hour. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for stopping by on the way. This, uh, this, uh, and it, uh, the title of the paper is We Are Not Nearly As Afraid As We Should Be. I think I mentioned this Whoa. last time I was here. Um, one of my concerns here is that in all of the rightfully so preoccupation with making sure that Trump does not fire Robert Mueller, we've lost sight of the fact that we need to make sure that Trump does not fire nuclear missiles. He continues to have access to mm-hmm. the nuclear codes, unfettered access. Many people either don't know that or don't believe that. But here's the deal. From the time I sat down to right now, um, within five minutes, he decides to make that move there in the air. My concern here is that the uh, the Mueller I mean, news, that, you're not exaggerating. No, I'm not that, exaggerating one that bit. Is that is the way the process fact. works. Right. Now, there may be de facto kind of arrangements uh, such as they had with Nixon uh, where Schlesinger told folks, uh, if he decides to make a move, speak to me. But there's nothing formalized at all. Uh, at one point, there was what I thought just thought of as the, um, the triangle defense of uh, the generals. Uh, and also, I think Tillerson was in on that, where the idea was, at least one of us will always be here in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, you know, as I said to you before, to tackle him if he tries to make a move. Um, with uh, all of the developments that are happening now with the FBI raid on um, uh, Cohen's uh, offices, um, uh, the, uh, the, the people that are sort of flipping like burgers, um, uh, Trump feels the pressure. He can no longer delude himself that um, uh, this is not going to come to his doorstep. I think that Mueller is not only approaching the Oval Office, he's camped out in it. (laughs) And um, we saw on on Thursday the Fox News rant. Well, I was going to ask you exactly about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, that demonstrates the point. If you think about that uh, interview, it started off. You know, he was sort of trying to be charming, and he tried to finesse the question about Melania's birthday and hesitate, hesitate. Oh, yeah, yeah, I bought her a birthday card. Um, uh, and then if you just looked at the volume, the audio volume, it would start here and it would go up as he began to just rant about the witch hunt, about the fact that— uh, and, and we saw there also uh, the, the important distinction that I make between uh, strategic lies— um, uh, uh, Cohen has nothing to do with me. He's a businessman, 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 businessman. Um, he uh, he does a tiny, tiny little fraction mm-hmm. of my um, uh, legal work versus uh, what I believe are his delusional falsehoods that he actually believes. Um, no one has ever accomplished more in their first year of the presidency than I have. I give myself an A- Plus, plus etc. And so uh, both in the book and uh, so, so the, the examples are now legion where so the strategic lies that just it just tumbled out of his mouth. You know, they range from the dog ate my homework to uh, the Michael Cohen 
denials, distancing, etc. But the the uh, the falsehoods, the delusional falsehoods that he actually believes, if you put him on a lie detector test, he would believe this. And I think that what is going on now, because there is that, I think as the Mueller walls continue to close in on him, um, the 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 fact that he has these this delusionalism, I would call it, um, indicates that under pressure, we don't know what he's capable of. We do not know what he's capable of. We don't know that he will launch nuclear missiles, but we don't know that he won't. And I think it's the first time in our history Mm -hmm. ever that we had to worry that someone impulsively, rationally, irrationally uh, would do something like that. He has the meeting coming up with... um, Kim Jong-un. Uh, Kim Jong-un. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the way that I think of this as, um, as he hears Mueller's footsteps coming down the hallway with handcuffs, we have no idea how badly this man can slide into a delusional phantasmagoria where there are uh, enemies everywhere and then what can happen under those kinds of circumstances. Is it possible that uh, that he is smarter than we think in this sense? With all the rhetoric, the, the warmongering rhetoric about North Korea a year ago, now we're, he's about to sit down at the same table with Kim Jong-un. So is part of this a big act on his part uh, to appear to be so unhinged in order to kind of get things done? You know, there is that theory out there. It's an extension of the same uh, notion that, um, well, when he's elected, there will be a soft pivot. <laughs> you mean the pivot? <laughs> the pivot. And people held on to that, even into the fire and fury comment that, you know, he's he's being crazy like a fox versus yeah. what I call crazy like a crazy Um <laughs> So, no, I think that what happened there is, I, I think when we look back on this, there's a very good chance that the the day that Hope Hicks had to resign, end of February, that marks a critical inflection point downward. The next morning, the tariffs. A few days later, he sticks his head out to the White House press conference and says, um, uh, and arranges this, just he thought of it five seconds earlier, uh, this meeting with Kim Jong-un. Mm, uh, yeah. He was looking for the big plays. to. So when people feel powerless, Bill, one way that they manage it is to turn it around and demonstrate their power, how muscular I am. So I make these, uh, I, I start these tariffs when, you know, it, it caused uh, Cohn to resign, Gary Cohn. Um, and, but what I, what I see that, it, it's, it's a defense against powerlessness by turning it around in an attempt to turn it around into uh, I am powerful, I am not powerless, so watch what I'm going to do. And uh, firing um, uh, Tillerson, um, uh, firing McMaster, and bringing in, don't you know, Pompeo, hawkish as hell, and, you know, this sort of incomparably bellicose John Bolton. Um uh, they are the ones who are now, Bolton in particular, is now whispering in his ear. Um, Kelly has been marginalized. He seems to be one of the few adults left in the room, although uh, he's shown himself to be uh, a bit of a scurrilous character on his, on his own mm-hmm. side. 
Um, but uh, the, the idea here is that when people feel powerless, they try to demonstrate how powerful they are as a way of compensating. Right. Uh, back to these, the um, procedure that's laid out for the the use of nuclear weapons, and it is the right. president alone who makes that decision. Exactly and, as right. You say has a very short period of time. Um, I think minutes. you and I talked about this before, that everybody else in that chain of command, um, from the people, I guess, in the silo sites out in the in the plains or whatever to the are people evaluated. in the Pentagon right. are all evaluated and the the one who is not is the top person at the top of the chain the president of the United States well i think that that's a difficult matter because the people out in the silos uh etc uh that's their job they were hired to do a job and so it makes sense that they would have this evaluation before uh, being allowed around, doesn't make sense that, sense that the person who makes the final decision have some kind of an evaluation. Well, I think as well. that there are a lot of uh, our assumptions here that are being reexamined, uh, and these are now for the future, as far as I'm concerned. But if you think about the fact that, so when when would such an exam take? First of all, I have no idea what. Yeah. To, to me, it is reminiscent of uh, the the decision by the Supreme Court to decide the presidency the presidency between uh, Bush and Gore. You have a small number of people, you know, millions and millions and millions of people have voted. And uh, so wh when do you do that? Do you do that before they're allowed to run in the primaries? I don't know. But clearly now we are where we are and we've got a huge yeah. mess on our hands because this man, you can bet, if he were given a, not, not the thing that, you know, Ronnie Jackson talked about, oh, yeah. which was yeah. pure rubbish pure rubbish um if he were given an evaluation you, now, you don't believe that he could live to be 200 years old <laughs> he's got great genes right yeah right, right. <laughs> um yeah and he and he's only 230 239 pounds and just a pound shy of obese uh, that 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 still bothers me because he said donald trump is six foot three 239 pounds i'm six foot three 235 pounds. I, I, I'd I like to think I don't look like Donald Trump. I'd like to think that. I think, please tell me he's lying about that. You, you're, you're a pretty good-looking good guy. Thanks, you are, man. You are svelte compared to him. Thanks, no. guys. He is Omar the tent maker. Gets his, that's where he gets his suits. You know that. But I, I got to tell you, he covers it up pretty well. He does. He's a no, big guy. There's an art to covering it up as a big man. Yeah. Like, you got to know how to cover up. He does a good job. But that really was a con job on the part of Ronnie Jackson, wasn't it? It's uh, shocking because his reputation previously had stellar. Yeah. yeah, right. And even if he had said he's in good health, whatever, I mean, just, but the, he was so over the top right. on that. Right. So, so one wonders what motivated him. I mean, some of the things that are coming out now, yeah. did Trump know that? Did Trump make it clear to Dr. Jackson that he knew that? And that there would be consequences. Who knows? But something yeah. there's more there than meets the eye. Well, two quick questions. First of all, what um, are you? How sensitive are you to you know the rap that you get? All of you get to 27 is you've never examined this man. How can you come to a, the conclusions about his mental capacity? So the so-called Goldwater rule, yeah, uh, that I think we've talked about, mm -hmm. has two parts to it. First part is scientific 
basis that by interviewing someone, and I've done over a thousand initial interviews, uh, and the idea is that somehow, for, with someone who does not want to be there, mm. but that somehow, because I sit down with you for 45 minutes or for 90 minutes, uh, that uh, I am going to learn stuff about you that, uh, and, and I would learn stuff about you. I'd learn how you don't respond. Um, I'd, I'd see how you manage your nervousness, et cetera. So it's not that there aren't things there that I could not extrapolate, but um, the, the, uh, there's an article by Scott uh, Lillenfeld that came out in October, a massive study, and it absolutely debunked the notion that someone, just by having an interview with someone, you, you know, as opposed to what I've been doing, where I've been studying all his videos, his audios, his tweets, all the raw material, all day, every day. So the scientific basis of that is mm-hmm. flatly debunked by world-class research. Number two is the ethical consideration. That, um, and th- there is a point to that. We should not be talking about Barron. We should mm-hmm. not be talking about Chelsea. I, I-, I never thought it was Im- important. No, whoever talked about Dick Cheney or Bill Clinton or Ronald Reagan or Michael Jackson, uh, it's just, you know, now, I don't know. I don't know of anybody that's ever done anything like that. But the point is this: insofar as ethics are concerned, the ethical violation is remaining silent mm. in the face of uh, uh, a clinical prism that demonstrates danger, danger, danger. The clinical, uh, the ethical violation is not in speaking up. So when you see the danger to the society, the dangers to the American people. Absolutely. You have an ethical obligation, you believe, to that, speak That's out. my view. Uh, right. People will disagree, and they get to do that. So um, then the, the, the final dilemma maybe is he is president of the United States, elected by uh, the, the Electoral College, but he's president of the United States. What can we do about it? Well, as I mentioned last time, Bill, that's kind of, that is above my pay grade. I mean, I, I don't know. What, what, what? But my role is, along with my colleagues, to educate the public and the politicians, if they are interested, so that they can make be more informed decisions when they decide to vote or not vote. One thing that I would urge, though, um, which does uh, he needs to be stopped from access to the nuclear codes. That needs mm-hmm. to happen, and we've lost sight of that. So when I was in here last time, you know, there was legislation being talked about. It was in the news. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, no, you're right. It's, no, it's, it's, although I understand today that um, uh, the gentleman from who is uh, Kane uh, uh, is introducing legislation for just that. Uh, Senator Kane from Virginia. Senator Kane. Right. No, I hadn't. I hadn't heard. I'd that, heard but, that he was doing but that. But yeah, you're morning. right. It was in the. Bu- it was in it was the buzz. Absolutely. It was being it's talked gone. About. Right. It's yeah. gone. And it's um, important to bring that back and absolutely important, and that is one thing. I don't. I don't know about impeachment. I don't know about the Twenty Fifth Amendment. I don't know about a value. What I do know is this: the man is profoundly dangerous. And again, as the world closes in on him, I think of that famous scene with Indiana Jones with the walls closing in, and he's frantically trying to uh, save his life. Um, uh, Donald Trump can do a lot of different things that endanger the life of the planet. Uh, and in, in in terms of it, it, on the scale of urgency, you would doing something about his access to the nuclear weapons. You would say is like extremely urgent. 
uh, beyond. On a scale of 10, it's a 15. All right. Michael Tanzi, good to see you again. Good to see you good again, Good luck Bill. at the uh, at the press club. Sorry we can't get Thank over you. there, right? Thank you. Uh, don't well. forget, it's still out there, this book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Scare the hell out of you. It will. Um, and uh, thanks so much Thank for coming you, in. Aswin Subsang joins us next from Daily Beast. Quick break. We'll be right back. Take The Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, you bet. Here we go on Tuesday, first day of May 2018. Great to see you today. And thank you for joining us as we come out to you and join, joining you all across this great land of ours from our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America. They are building a better America. That's their website, Liuna, L-I-U-N-A, buildsamerica.org. Check it out. The good members of the Labor's Union under President Terry O'Sullivan. Uh, keeping up with the news of the day now with the help of Aswin Subsang, our good friend from uh, the Daily Beast, political reporter. Aswin, good to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for coming in. You uh, uh, you kind of tuckered out after the all the parties over the weekend? Man, you are everywhere. Well, so are you. It was good to bump into you a few times. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, just every year we get our suits and sometimes our tuxes on and even though the thing that makes headlines from time to time is the dinner itself, or at least just the 40-minute or 30-minute comedian set of the dinner on that Saturday night from about Wednesday or Thursday through Sunday. There's a whole host of different parties thrown by all sorts of different functions um, and outlets and organizations, and it's a lot of open bars and a lot of fun. (laughs) Do you uh, run around? We talked a lot yesterday about the dinner. Don't want to spend too much time on it today. Let me just ask you this. Do you think after this year's dinner uh, and Michelle Wolf's um, um, presentation uh, that there will ever be another White House Correspondents' Dinner? I'm sure there will be. I I mean, I don't know if uh, your listeners remember this, but I looked back at 2009 at uh, the reception for Wanda Sykes' performance where uh, she was actually very flattering of the president, then, of course, President Obama. And went after people like Rush Limbaugh pretty hard. So there were all kinds of headlines, not just at Fox News, but also other uh, uh, not, not shall we say, so right-leaning outlets. Yeah. But there were a lot of people wringing their hands in the quote-unquote media about, did Wanda Sykes go too far? And there was this kerfuffle over there. There was this... Uh, um, this hoopla yeah. over Colbert in 2006. The I way thought Wanda Sykes, by the way, is the best entertainer ever in really, my, you're a Wanda in, Sykes in my history yeah. of the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Mm-hmm. Seth Meyers was number two, but she was number one. Yeah, th- this was my first time at any dinner um, or, or any of the White yeah. House Correspondents' Dinners. But You're right. I and thought... then there was a lot of flap over Stephen Colbert as well. Yeah, and the More way More so went about out. Michelle Wolf, I think, than anybody else. I'll take your word for it because you're the uh, WHCD historian uh, at this <laughs> no, table. No, I'm not. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah. it survives. Who cares if it does or doesn't survive? I've never been a fan of the concept <laughs> of the, the dinner in its current form right. anyway. And also, I've been very emphatic about this on social media, but since we're on the record here, I'll just uh, once again reiterate that I thought Michelle Wolf's performance was very funny. I think, if anything, a problem particularly during the Obama years, was that too many comedians uh, who performed when Obama was president were not rough enough on Obama and his team. The purpose of the comedian in that setting should be to be the exact opposite of a sycophant to power, and that means to be and to roast and be as brutal as you can. 
to people in power, and that includes in the media and in politics. And I did not think she crossed any line. If anything, I didn't think she was brutal enough on people in the room, not just people in the Trump administration, but people in the audience. And I think all this hand-wringing is ridiculous, stupid, and a waste of time. And uh, this... And it's all but predictable that people in conservative media and some in the administration themselves uh, and their surrogates would have made a big deal out of this. But they don't care. They don't actually care. This is just a thing for them to talk about on cable news and radio and Fox News and wherever. There it is. Uh, I'm I'm sure you've been talking about this enough, especially on yesterday's show. So sorry to like vent. No, no, no. The more important things to talk about. I wanted to hear your point of view. I kind of knew. I wanted to give you a chance to articulate your point of view. Aswan Subsang from Daily Beast at dailybeast.com. Now, uh, so so much news and so little time here. Let's start, not that this is the biggest story of the day, um, but it's reported that John Kelly called the president an idiot on more than one occasion. It would be weirder at this point if someone in his high-ranking position who worked with the president and had spent as much time with President Donald Trump as he does at this point had not on multiple occasions called the president of the United States an idiot so does or a mean, moron. It, it, it would well, be news if that weren't the case. Uh, right. But once it comes forward that he had... Can he last? Well, I think the question of whether or not John Kelly can last uh, very much longer has been a question that has been going on ever since he came into the position uh, almost Which a year is ago. Still, yeah, but, still less than a year ago, by the way. But Right, right, right. Yeah. right. I, I mean, he's been on increasingly shaky ground um, ever since assuming the position of White House Chief of Staff. And it's been increasingly, increasingly shaky ever since uh, the Rob Porter fiasco, which he mismanaged and what many people, including in the White House, believe he lied about to an insane, chronic degree. Now, um, this latest report uh, could be several things. It could be potentially a sign that people smell blood in the water again and really want John Kelly out and are leaking these things. Uh, Some things may be exaggerated. Some things are almost definitely completely true regarding the comments John Kelly has been making in private. Um, But the funny thing is about that NBC News report you were talking about with a headline and all the cable news uh, chirons were splashing the word idiot, idiot, idiot all over again. I would actually contend that that was the least important and least juicy part of the NBC story, which was actually a big, multifaceted, very interesting and well-sourced report. Uh, There were reports about how one of the reasons John Kelly thought Trump was an idiot or misguided or unable to grasp policy was because they had a heated argument over whether or not to pull all troops out of South Korea right before a Trump administration delegation went to South Korea um, a few few weeks ago. Kelly also said said that the president had no idea what DACA was. Right. And and the follow up to that was um, more revealing about the kind of person the dealmaker John Kelly is, because there was for far too long. Um, I'm proud to say uh, I and the Daily Beast, at least on the reporting team, never subscribed to this. There was this perception that, oh, John Kelly is the adult in the room, the one who will reign in Trump's uh, darker impulses on X, Y and Z issues and policy issues. Um the, the, the next sentences or paragraphs in the part of the NBC News report you're talking about was John Kelly following up and telling people close to him, uh, 
Donald Trump does not understand the policy minutia. We got to take care of this to make sure he doesn't cut a lousy deal. The lousy deal he was talking about on immigration was something that was, he thought was not hardline enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On immigration, yeah. and he says so, that he says that he's that he takes credit for killing any DACA deal. That Trump would have made one, and he. Uh, Right. Yeah, you know, basically. So he's which a hard he, ass when it comes on immigration. Right, so. which is funny because he has made statements in the past that were actually supportive on DACA, but when it came time to actually make a deal, he thought there weren't enough hardliner concessions on the immigration issues, on the broader immigration issues. Right. So but, he did what he could to kill that and keep Trump from but, making it. But so. the big question is, and it does seem from from reports we've heard and reporting that, and your sources too, that um, I think confirmed by your sources, I mean, that... Um, that the relationship between Donald Trump and, and John Kelly is not as close as it may have once been, but they've reached kind of a standoff. And so you you think it still could survive in that sort of um, awkward I think it could phase. definitely survive throughout the week. <laughs> okay. And it's... I said the end of the month earlier, so you said the end of the week, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where... Um, once the president expresses his total confidence in you... That's a pretty good sign that then, you're done. Then you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to Kelly in this uh, specific position, I don't think it's a matter of, oh, an NBC News report came out where uh, it says John Kelly called Trump an idiot. So Trump is now incensed and yeah. he's going to make moves to try to make conditions uncomfortable enough to get John Kelly to be forced out or to resign. It's not as simple as that. It's one uh, uh, brick in the in the moderately long road to John Kelly leaving, which honestly mm -hmm. started being laid oh. uh, the first or second week he came onto the job. Yeah, yeah, right. I know that for a long time this has been going on. Um, Stormy Daniels back in the news yesterday. I don't know, she's never been out of the news, mm -hmm. I guess, but uh, Stormy Daniels, um, who um, sued her attorney, filed a lawsuit yesterday. Uh, accusing the president of defaming her, defamation lawsuit, because the president said she was lying. It was a con job when she put up this sketch of the man who allegedly threatened her in a parking mm -hmm. lot in uh, uh, in Las Vegas. Um, this could be trouble for the president, couldn't it? Uh, yes, and also the what um, uh, the most prominent offshoot of this, uh, not not entirely related, but somewhat related with uh, the Michael Cohen raid and the yeah. feds investigating Michael Cohen. The people uh, uh, my colleague Lachlan Marquet and I talk to in the White House and in Trump world on a daily basis have what I would say accurately uh, defined uh, the fallout from the Michael Cohen raid and the ongoing uh, federal inquiry into it as a more immediate and potentially a more catastrophic threat to Trump and his presidency at least in the near term, why? Than uh, Team Mueller's investigation, why? because uh, because of the very the specific digging it's doing into what Michael Cohen was doing as Trump's fixer, fixer, very possibly with Trump's blessing, and the things they and were doing that were possibly blatantly illegal, and um, not something as lofty or as potentially ill-defined that you would have to spend a much longer time investigating, like quote unquote collusion. Or, or something as grand as international election meddling. Um, this is something that could potentially um, uh, 
cause huge legal difficulty for Trump uh, much faster than something right, like right. a Mueller investigation. I, I, I'm not saying like the Mueller investigation isn't as much of a threat necessarily to the Trump presidency or his orbit. Right. Just, I'm just talking about more immediate. Right. And one of the reasons is because, and by the way, and of course, as you point out, I mean, the Stormy Daniels lawsuit yesterday in some way is connected to the Cohen investigation. One of the things that Cohen was fixing for the president, and the president himself has admitted now that Michael Cohen was working for him on the stormy, messy Stormy Daniels deal or whatever he called it. But in both cases, um, the Michael Jackson, uh, Michael Cohen, sorry, investigation uh, and Stormy Daniels, both of them have the potential for getting the president in a deposition. Yes. Sooner than maybe Mueller would ever be able to sit down with the president. And we'll get to Robert Mueller in just a little bit here, right? Right, right. And And so any deposition on either one of those issues, defaming Stormy Daniels, or business deals with Michael Cohen could be very damaging. For um, a man as obsessed with media gossip and tabloids and celebrity sleaze as Donald Trump has been for decades, he's been very public about that. All you have to do is scroll through his old tweets or look up his old YouTube videos. It is perfectly fitting for the era that this much of a headache has been caused um, to the president and the administration by a point star. Like, go back fitting. three years and write all of this on a piece of paper, just what we've sort of become numb to by watching on CNN or listening on the radio or reading in the New York Times every day. You go back four years and it reads like the worst political satire you could possibly write. Right. Like not even funny. It's just too obvious. But again, for a man then who lives by the tabloids, do you pick up the tabloids yesterday, or the tabloid, the biggest National Enquirer? One of Donald Trump's top allies during the campaign. Yeah, yes, uh, the publisher uh, and the publisher David who, Pecker. They, that's and it's not right. Earlier, earlier, again, no earlier. Two we on the nose. Too obvious. I know, I know, I know. Peter and I were. <laughs> We could not quite remember the name, and so uh, I said his name was Dick. Was his name Dick something? <laughs> it was close. It, no, something it wasn't Dick, that. Something Dick. I was close. It was Pecker. I know it was, <laughs> I know it was penis related. Okay. Oh, God. Jesus. That's so funny. Uh, uh, oh, all right. Now, yes. back what I was saying is you pick up the National Enquirer yesterday. David Pecker, the fr- friend of the president, who paid... Karen McDougal, $150,000 not to publish her story. His paper yesterday on the front page has a slime piece on Michael Cohen. Roasting Michael Cohen. Roasting right. Michael Cohen. Secrets and lies. Mm-hmm. What's going on? This is a Michael Cohen that Donald Trump last week was saying, I have total confidence in Michael Cohen. He's a great guy. He's done great work for me. Honestly, so now, I'm not sure. This is something I'm still looking into. But beyond uh, what you just talked about, uh, it's important to recognize that this actually isn't – it may not be the world's biggest deal. Again, I'm, I'm still looking into this. I still have to make some more phone calls about it this week. I'm not sure if this is a huge deal, but it, it's at least somewhat of a striking detail because beyond all the other stuff that's in the news now about what the National Enquirer did and hid – to a great financial burden, 
uh, to aid the Donald Trump candidacy or just right. Donald Trump himself um, during the campaign. It would relentlessly go. It would do puff pieces about Donald Trump and how yeah. great his yeah. his proposed right. policies was. It, I think he might have been the first presidential candidate the National Enquirer ever endorsed. It would go after Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and Ben Carson and fan oh, all yeah. kinds of totally, crazy conspiracy totally. right. theories and gossip about them. Um, it, it was a fascinating thing uh, uh, to watch. So, and I, again, I would have to go back and look this. Look at this. It's been a while since I've dug into my recent uh, Inquirer archives, but I think they've done a couple of quote unquote negative pieces on Trump since he became president, just to maybe balance out the coverage. But overwhelmingly. It's been totally. Donald Trump is like an emperor. All right, God so do you like would you assert and want me to believe that this negative hit job on Michael Cohen had nothing to do with the Trump White House? It looks to me like the Trump White House has figured out that Michael Cohen is going to flip and they're they're trying to slime him and bring him down. Um, I really want to hold my fire on this until I get a better read of what's going on. But what I can tell you that's related to that is that um, as we reported the Daily Beast, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, while Donald Trump publicly in his public statements on camera, on his Twitter feed, has been very emphatic about how, oh, I don't think Michael Cohen would ever flip on me. We have a great relationship. Stay strong, Michael Cohen. Uh, Privately, he's been telling aides and associates things like, well, we'll see. Uh, Mm. And that reflects a burgeoning notion, not just within the West Wing, but within Trump world itself, that uh, put under enough pressure by the feds with his finances and potentially his and his family's well-being at risk that Michael Cohen could easily flip. And in the words of multiple people I spoke to um, who are uh, well-connected and in the know in Trump land, um, snitch. Yeah. And uh, that that is a legitimate fear that people have that, oh, Michael Cohen, who spent so much time at least projecting a toughness, now it's time to see how tough he actually is when the chips are down. Um, so um, I want to ask you about Robert Mueller, but first, you've, a couple of times you've uh, referenced your sources in Trump land. Um, now, I'm not going to ask you to reveal your sources, uh, but does, are these people, if you can tell us, in the Trump White House? Oh, yeah. As we make clear in our reporting, like if we're uh, referencing information that we've heard or corroborated from someone within the White House, uh, we we say that. If it's someone who's close to the president, who the president talks to on the phone regularly or fairly regularly, we say that. If these are prominent allies or people working in outside groups of the campaign or who had worked in the transition, we note that. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I hate saying a source close to the president because it's so okay. vague. Sometimes we All have right. to because of sourcing right. negotiation. All but. right. Uh, can you name these people? Do uh, you ever name these people? Yeah, sometimes when they speak on the record. Like, there are definitely people in the White House who have spoken on the record to us. Um, um, uh, I mean, I, obviously, I can't so, say who our anonymous sources are um, piece by piece, but uh, but w- what is but, your specific question? But, well, I'm just curious. Um, these are people you you indicated earlier you talk to every day. Uh, many of them, yes. What is their motivation for talking to you every day? I'm just so charming and they like me. Clearly. BS. Uh, it's at least, well, I, I would like to say that's at least part of the truth. Look, um, it's the same uh, okay, reason. Okay, I'll give you credit. It's part of the truth. Thank you That's very why much. we like having you as a guest. Thank you. You're so charming. Thank you. Um, 
What's the real deal here, dude, is what I'm asking. What, are the, well, what is their motive? Are they trying to some, – some of the stuff they're telling you is not necessarily helpful to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So are, are they, um, you know, disloyal to Trump? Are they trying to get the word? I'm just curious about – well, uh, I mean, I think it's the same. Because I think this White let me put this White House leaks bigger more than any White House we've ever seen. I mean, it's not even like a sieve. You have to come up with a new term or expression exactly. to describe yeah. the right. level of right. leakage out of this administration. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're getting a lot of it. So I'm just curious about why these people are just blabbing all the time. And that, that will get us to the Mueller thing. Right? Sure. Well, I mean, I think it works the same at the reporters at the Daily Beast as it does for the Washington Post, the New York Times or other outlets that are considered hostile to this uh, to the Trump White House or at least that the White House publicly and also privately deems as hostile entities. Um, It's because, look, there are a lot of people in this uh, working in the Trump administration. Some of them come from different sides of different institutions or different issues. They have their own interest. Um, the more chaotic or shambolic an administration, um, the more disloyal people are and the more they want to vent and the more they want to talk to reporters. And just like any other White House reporter, it's about building relationships. And people, even if they think your coverage is sometimes rough on the White House, if they know where you're coming from and um, and they think you're a straight shooter, they'll talk to you. And you know what? Honestly, a lot of these people, no matter what they say publicly on cable news, mm-hmm. they know that it's more beneficial to them and perhaps even the White House themselves if they talk to the reporters instead of just shutting them out. Because yeah. the version of the story that would show up in print, like the New York Times that you're about to yeah. hold, if these senior officials didn't talk to Maggie Haberman, would look rougher on them if they didn't actually speak to her and show their side. Okay. So so that's so, one of – I don't have – time to go over no, I, I understand uh, like, no, but that's that, yeah. yeah that's good that's my question that's one yeah. of many answers to your question um yes. so the stunning news today really stunning is uh we've known all the talk about and that's why rudy giuliani was hired uh to kind of come to some agreement with robert Mueller whether donald trump is going to sit down with him or not and if so is it on videotape in person and what questions might they ask uh the new york times has the copy of the list of questions that Robert Mueller wanted to ask the president or still wants to ask the president. It starts on the front page, a big two-page spread inside where they um, where they document and break down the questions from questions about Michael Cohen to Jeff Sessions to the Trump Tower meeting to Ronald, Donald Trump's business dealings with Russia, the Miss Universe visit, all that kind of stuff. And here's how they say they got them. So the president's attorneys say, what questions might you want to ask if Mm -hmm. we have this meeting? Uh, The special counsel's investigators read these questions to the president's lawyers who compiled them into a list. That list was provided to the Times by somebody outside Mr. Trump's legal team. So there's no doubt these questions came from the White House, right? Not from Robert Mueller, from the White House. It is... Again, I don't know who the New York Times source or sourcing but is this, on this. From what I read, what does that tell you? But e- even if you hadn't read that to me, I would bet a lot of money if you had just read to me the headline that the sourcing for this story was not from Team Mueller. It was from or near Team Trump. Yeah. That like th- there is I like sh- short of a, a mortgage. I'm not sure there's an <laughs> amount of money I wouldn't bet on that premise. And uh, their motivation 
would be to undermine the Trump investigation or the Mueller investigation? Well, I, I'm i not completely aware of their specific motive on this. There, no, there are a lot of possibilities. But, I mean, well, honestly, my gut tells me that uh, people in the Trump orbit, including on or near the legal team, um, talk, to, talk to reporters all the time. Yeah, but this is a big deal. I mean, they they release this. They they have to have a reason for doing this. They wanted to get it out there, right? Don't you think? Get well, these questions out there, and then what, once it's out there, one added benefit, whether or not it was the root motivation, is that the, the president of the United States can come out as he just did this morning on Twitter mm-hmm. and start denouncing this again as a witch hunt, and uh, um, it's a it's a disgrace. I think that's a direct quote that these questions right. would leak. Right. So. When this stuff gets out there, whether it's about the Mueller investigation or anything else, whether or not it came from the administration or Team Trump's side, Donald Trump can go out and ridicule it relentlessly and bash the media and bash the quote-unquote witch hunt. And, you know, it's it's it, it's just more – it's another fun morning for the president. Well, if I, if I were Robert Mueller, I would say, oh, you didn't like this set of questions? Well, I got another set of questions I'd like to ask you, too, <laughs> on ending on that. And that leads us right up to the end here. Aswin, great. So good to see you, as always. Thanks for coming yes. in. Thank you. DailyBeast.com.